Again, good morning. What a joy it is to be with my church family. Last couple of weeks, we have been discussing, discussing and discovering God's love. We began a series called Love Conveyed a couple of weeks ago. And what we have been describing to you is the love of God. He came so that we would be saved. But with that love, it produces so much more. And because the body of Christ doesn't really experience the love of God, the presence of God, in a lot of areas of their lives, they don't experience the fullness of the covenant that God made with us through Jesus Christ. So today, turn your Bibles to Isaiah 14. I'm saying this at the beginning in Ezekiel 28, because some of you might take a while to find it. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. So while you're uh, turning there, um, this past couple of weeks, I've had a really great time as Papa, Grandpa. And I was telling uh, someone at the club where I work out, you know, how what a joy it was just to be with my grandchildren and hang out with them and, and just sit and watch them. And, you know, you know how your friends are, so he sends me something. And uh, this is what it reads. A granddaughter asked her grandpa, after 65 years, you still call grandma darling, beautiful, and honey. Grandpa, what's the secret? And he said, well, I forgot her name five years ago, and I'm scared to ask her. Because he knew I'm 65 years old. With friends like that, who needs enemies, right? <clears throat> now, I've said this before, <clears throat> that I'm a bottom-line person, and there are two types of people. You'll find, you'll find bottom-line people, and then you'll find beat-around-the-bush people, all right? How many of you know who you are? Sometimes beat-around-the-bush people you know, when you talk to them, they never get to the point, do they? Little caveat here. If you're married, and if you're a bottom line person, then you must be married to a beat around the, push, the bush person, or vice versa. So two beat around the bush people would never get married because they would never get around to it. <laughs> And two bottom line people would probably kill each other. <laughs> but God wired us this way. And so because of the way I think, this is how I develop being led of the Holy Spirit. But because he uses my personality, this is sometimes how I develop uh, my messages for you. And in this series, Love Conveyed. So because I think bottom line, I had this thought. If I'm created in the image and likeness of God, and I'm bottom line, then what is God's bottom line? You ever thought of that? What is God doing? Where is he going? We're talking about church. We're talking about what love produces. What's he trying to do today? 
We know what he did yesterday, but what's he trying to do today? Why did he create you for this day? Now, we know God is love. So what is the bottom line of love? Again, what is God's bottom line? What does God want? What does God desire? Hmm. So as I began to think that way and pray and at times fasting and, and just sitting on the floor in my office and just listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, he brought me to this thought that I've just been explaining to you, what is God's greatest desire? Scripture tells us God has desires, but he also has wills. He has desires and wills for some things. Now, during this study, I began to look at Scripture and the Greek and the Hebrew. I had this thought also. So if God has a bottom line desire, what is Satan's greatest desire? Because he wanted to be like him. We're going to read that in a moment. Now, Satan's desire, we need to understand, is our enemy. He is literally trying to stop me and you. He's fighting against you and me every day, but be of good cheer because God has overcome the world, amen? Amen. So in this thought process, it's not a worry, but it's it's, it's a knowledge, It's, it's an understanding of how do I need to think? How do I need to walk in my life? My speech, what do I say when situations arise? <clears throat> if I know the bottom line of God's desire and Satan's desire. So what is Satan's bottom line? What's he trying to do? With all that said, uh, in a couple weeks, I'm going to talk to you about God's desire but we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about Satan's bottom line desire. So my message will be Satan's greatest desire. And it's going to be, again, two parts. And so this, what this is going to do is what I really began to listen and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and, and just dive into the Word of God is this is what I began to understand. And I'm going to say this to you. I don't fully understand it. But I got a good grip of it. And I want to share it with you so that we as a church can really dive in to Scripture and really grow in a greater way so that we can really uh, begin to walk in a greater passion of the things of God, first of all, by finding out our enemy's greatest desire, and then we're going to conclude this part, and it's going to take a couple weeks on that and talking about God's greatest desire. So let's ask ourselves three questions, and we'll probably get to one today regarding Satan. And uh, next week or a couple weeks from now, we'll cover the other two. But here's the first. What was Satan's desire? 
before his fall when he was in heaven. What was his desire? Isaiah 14 will tell us his desire. And when we read Isaiah 14, I want you to just walk with me because we're not going to read all the scripture, but I'm just going to read you parts of it so you see the five I will statements. And in these five I will statements, you're going to see it bunch up and show us really Satan's bottom line, what he wants for himself. Notice also all of these statements have to do with being lifted up. So every I will or desire of Satan all collectively is talking about he wants to be lifted up. It's about him to be seen, to be high in rank. So let's pick it up, um, Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, light bringer, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the ground, you who have weakened the nations, king of Babylon. I'll explain something in a little bit. Verse 13 For you said in your heart, and then he lists these five desires. You said in your heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what was in his heart, talking about the king of Babylon, but in essence, we're going to find out, and I'll say it again in a little bit, but he's referring to what's behind it, or Satan, Lucifer. Verse 13. I will ascend into heaven. In other words, I'll go up. That's the first. The second, I will exalt my throne. Exalt is to be lifted up, a throne to be put on high above the stars of God. Here's the third. I will also sit on the mount. This word in the Hebrew is the highest point of the mountain. He wants to be high and lifted up. The mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north, and again, north is always up. We're going to go up north. We're going to go down south. Verse 14, here's the fourth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Notice the three words, above heights and clouds, about being up. And then notice what he calls God now. There's the fifth. I will be like the most high. He doesn't say holy. He says the most high. Satan wants to be lifted up. And by knowing this, then we can move into this bottom line of Satan's desire. But I want you to notice Here's God's response to this because love, when you understand God's love and love is conveyed in your life, you must understand that wanting to be lifted up above others is not love. It is the opposite of love. It is a demonic influence. Verse 15, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol. 
to the lowest depths of the pit. So when we see Satan's desire to be lifted up, we must understand if we follow Satan's desire, we will be cast down in areas of our life. Not because people do it, because it's a spiritual truth. It's a kingdom reality. So we're trying to figure out again Satan's greatest desire, and we have here these five statements. Now, please know the word will means desire also. So when you hear me say will or desire, it's basically, there's a little difference, but it's basically the same thing. So what we find is he's saying, I wanted to be lifted up. I want to be exalted. I want to be worshiped. And then he even says it very clearly, I want to be like God. And we're going to, again, in a couple weeks, find out God's desire. And if we find, when we find out God's desire, what Satan's desire is totally opposite of love. Now, I don't like telling you this, but this is actually <laughs> the nature that you and I are born with, to be lifted up. Now, I'm going to say something very important, and, and I'll look at me and just, just realize I love you, but as your pastor, I just need to just tell it like it is, amen? Theologians say we are born with an Adamic nature and a sin nature. Scripture, a fallen nature. This is true. When we were born physically, we have this. But did you know that Adam was not the original sinner? Neither was Eve. The Bible tells us that Satan, Lucifer, was in the garden before they were created. Satan is the original sinner. So if we look at that and we understand that, if we are going to be blunt, we weren't just born with an Adamic nature. We were born with a satanic nature. And don't go weird on me, Hollywood on me, okay? And, you know, start the movies that we shouldn't see but we've watched. We have to understand what God's love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe would receive a new nature. But right now, we must understand is that this nature is a battle on a daily basis for you and me. Even though we are transformed and born again, and our, spirit, our, our spirits are brand new, but we still have a soul that is in this battle on a daily basis. And the battle is not living out and following Satan's greatest desire. All right, let's go on. Well, matter of fact, in a moment, look at your neighbor, shake your head and say, I'm glad you're born again. Notice I didn't say, I'm glad you're born again, Satan. 
Now, that nature is, I want to be seen, I want to be lifted up, I want people to pay attention to me. And if they don't, I will get angry, I'll get mad, and I'll pout. Before we came to Christ, the most important person in our lives was us. But what we noticed the first couple weeks of this series is what love conveys. It's about worshiping God and being with one another and loving one another. So we still have a residue of that, what we just talked about, in all of us. So the question is, who is the first person you look at in a group picture? And let me ask you this. If you don't look good, what do you say? The whole picture's bad. (laughs) See, it's still there. We used to say, throw that picture away or give me that picture. Now we say, erase it. Someone tells me to erase a picture, you know what I do? I forward it to everybody. I'm kidding. That's what we're born with. But when you're born again, we begin a journey of becoming like Christ and mature to be like Christ. And that is a result of love being conveyed to us. Now, when you study the life of Christ, have have you read the Gospels before? Okay, you say the life of Christ, he is always turning the attention off of himself and onto the Father or onto the Holy Spirit. Statements Jesus would make are the following. No, the Father sent me. I came to do the will of the Father. I say what the Father says. I do what the Father does. And when the Spirit comes, he will do this. You need to know the Holy Spirit is coming. I sent him to you. He's a gift. He's wonderful. The Bible tells us when the Holy Spirit comes, he testifies of Jesus. And the Father lifts up the Son. Remember, this is my Son, who I'm well pleased when he was baptized. So if you could listen in the conversation of the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, and hear them talking, it would sound like this. No, you're wonderful. No, you're wonderful. No, you're good. You're wonderful. You're great. Because that is love being conveyed. And when the body of Christ begins to understand the principle of the bottom line of God's greatest desire, opposite of Satan's greatest desire, that's why I want to show you Satan's greatest desire, is because when we begin to recognize and have revelation of this, Things will be absolutely changed in every area of your life. Things that used to bring you down won't bring you down anymore because you know the King of Kings and the Lord of Life, Lords, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you will recognize a power in that reality. The more we become like Christ, the more we don't want to focus attention on us. We focus the attention on God 
and others. Now, Satan's desire is to be lifted up, worshiped, and the focus is always on him. So we started with verse 12. Back up to verse 11, let me just show this to you. Isaiah 14, verse 11 says, Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, and the sound of your stringed instruments. Now, notice, I'm just going to give you some caveats here. I'm going to give you some understanding here of how Lucifer was created. This scripture is talking to Lucifer, and it says he has stringed instruments. Now, Isaiah 14, I talked to you about Isaiah 14. You can turn there now if you want to is a prophecy given to the king of, of Babylon. Now, again, but we know in this passage, again, God is addressing Lucifer. So it was given to the man, but it was speaking to the spirit behind the man. And this is common in the Bible. Jesus turned around and said something to a man but was actually addressing the spirit. Remember, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't pointing to Peter and telling Peter he was Satan. He was saying, the spirit by which you are thinking and talking is not mine, it is of Satan. The reason we need to know this is... uh, Ezekiel 28 says this. Here is a prophecy given to the king of Tyre, but it's very simple to see that it's talking to Lucifer. Uh, Chapter 28, verse 11 says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. You were the seal of perfection were, past tense, full of wisdom and perf- perfect in beauty. Now, <laughs> if, if we thought this was the king of Tyre, then he's probably the best-looking man in the world, the way God was talking to him. Perfect in beauty. We will see in a moment that Lucifer was created in beauty, and we're going to see the beauty he was created of. It's because of Satan's, Lucifer's, responsibility in heaven, why he was created in beauty. Verse 13 tells us it's Lucifer. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, the king wasn't that old. So we know it's talking about Lucifer. The king of Tyre was never in Eden, and there were four persons in Eden. God, Adam, Eve, and Lucifer. All right, so stick with me. I'm giving you a lot of information on this. So Ezekiel is talking to Lucifer. And so let me explain to you some of the garden now. Because we need to grab a hold of this to get to the bottom line. I'm not beating around the bush, but I'm just telling you, I'm I'm telling you all about the bush. All right? I want you to get this because when you get this, you get this revelation that in your life, things will change even though you've been great in the kingdom of God. 
you become greater because you understand the principles of God's love and what it produces. So in the garden, when they sinned, why did God drive them out? And I'm going to tell you and explain to you why, and I hope you never forget this. Well, because they've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the sin was there. We're going to show you in a moment what that sin did. But why they were driven out of the garden is so that they wouldn't eat from the tree of life. They were driven out because they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sin. But they were driven out immediately because they wouldn't eat from the tree of life. So many people say, well, that's the judgment of God. No, it's not. By God driving them out of the garden, it was the grace of God. I want you to hear this, the grace of God. We always go to that. We always default, you know, computer talk. We always default to God's judgment. God's mad. God is love. After sin, Adam and Eve were in a fallen state. If they had eaten from the tree of life in a fallen state, they would have lived forever in the fallen state. And God wanted them to become saved and born again. It's God's grace. God knew he was going to redeem them, so he had to get them out so they didn't eat life. By the way, you know in heaven, the tree of life is there. And in heaven, you can eat from it all day long. It's a buffet of the love of God. God wants you to set to eat from the tree of life, but in the redeemed state. Because if you ate from it in the lost state, you will be lost for eternity. Kicking them out of the garden, again, was the grace of God, was the love of God. By the way, whatever you're going through is the grace of God. I didn't say God did it or is doing it, but whatever you're going through is the grace of God. If you understand love conveyed and you understand his presence in your life, whatever you're going through, there's an answer there. Grace is sufficient. It will overcome what you're going through. By the way, in a couple months, I'll be teaching on grace. God's going to cause his grace to shine over you. Some of you have come in here with the greatest battle of your life. Some of you are watching on TV and you're wondering, what are you going to do in this situation? I'm telling you right now, God's grace is sufficient. And you need to understand not only Satan's greatest desire, but stick with us because you're going to see God's greatest desire. Let's look at verse 13 again. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Talking about beauty. This is why Lucifer was perfect in beauty. And it lists the stones. The sardius, topaz, a diamond, the beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, and gold. It says the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared 
for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Now, question is, what is a cherub? A cherub is an angel. Okay? It's not talking about the king of Tyre. He wasn't an angel. It's talking about Lucifer, who is a fallen angel. Now, the anointed cherub who covers, bottom line is saying, you ruled. You're the anointed cherub. You ruled in heaven. Question is, bottom line, what did he rule? I'm going to show you in a moment. He was one of the three archangels in heaven that ruled over a third of the angels, and a third of those angels fell with him. Let me read you Ezekiel 28, verse 14 through 16. You are the anointed cherub who covers and protects, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire, sparkling jewels. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness and evil were found in you. Talking about Lucifer. Through the abundance of your commerce, you were internally filled with lawlessness and violence and you sin. Therefore, I have cast you out as a profane and unholy thing from the mountain of God. And I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. So Satan gets kicked out. And go back to verse 13. It says, the workmanship of your timbrels and and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Timbrel means percussion instrument. Your pipes is translated flutes in other scripture. means wind instruments that you blow through to make sounds. Now combine this with Isaiah 14, talking about his beauty. Isaiah 14 said, and the sound of your stringed instruments. So we have stringed instruments, timbrels, and pipes that he was created with. All instruments fall into one of these three categories. Any instrument is a stringed instrument, a percussion instrument, or a wind instrument. So Lucifer was created with instruments in his body or being. So the question is why? We're trying to find out the bottom line desire, Satan's bottom line. And so we're giving you all this, how he was created, what took place, the garden, mankind, all this. He was the worship leader in heaven. The three archangels were named Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. So anytime we have a worship service, we're going to have three components to our service based on the three angels. Worship, word, and prayer. Anytime in the Bible you see Gabriel, he is announcing the word of the Lord. He's proclaiming the word. Anytime you see Michael, he is answering prayer. Anytime there's a discussion of Michael, he's in warfare, answering prayer for you and me. So Gabriel, 
ruling, was ruling over the word. Michael was ruling over prayer. And Lucifer ruled past tense over worship. The scripture says, you became filled with violence within by your trading. Okay, let me just explain to you there. What is trading? I'm going to come to a point today, but I want you to understand trading in the King James is merchandising. In other words, you are giving something that doesn't belong to you. Or you are taking something that doesn't belong to you. What happened was Satan thought, I deserve this worship, and he took worship for himself. And immediately, love conveyed, cast it out. Love cast it out. Because what he did, it's like someone who is selling a product, but it's not their product. They're selling it, and they sell it for $300, but they stick $100 in their pocket and $200 uh, to the owner. And what that is, it's merchandising. In other words, you sell it, but you don't give the one who the money belongs to the full amount of money. And so what happened is that Lucifer in heaven decided, why can't I receive this honor and worship? And so what I'm letting you know is that this thought process with with Lucifer, who was created perfect, began to bring him into a place that it's about me. I need to be lifted up. Why is everybody against me? The world will try to change your story and tell you it is about you. They're treating you bad. Let me tell you a clue. There are bad people in this world. And they will do that. But that doesn't change the fact of what God created you to be. You're created in his image and his likeness. So Lucifer took some of it for himself. That's the exact sin that took place. Satan is leading all of worship in heaven and the worship is supposed to pass through him to the rightful owner, God, who deserves all praise. One day he's leading heaven in worship and he said, I'll take part of that. And God said, you're out of here, dude. You're out of here. Matter of fact, didn't scripture say that Jesus said this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Lucifer didn't fall, listen very closely, because God was insecure about him taking some of his worship. Lucifer immediately left heaven because God is the only one who's worthy of worship. Only one. Whatever you do, Whatever you accomplish, God is the only one with all the accolades that you receive. Because I know a lot of you, and you've done great things in your life, and you continue to do so. 
but the only one that deserves worship is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lucifer immediately left heaven again because God is the only one worthy. So Lucifer, Satan's desire has always been to be worshipped. When you understand God's love and you understand the reality of what God is producing out of that love, the stuff that you are going through doesn't look that bad anymore. Because the stuff you're going through is trying to get you to say, what about me? And I want you to hear this. We're just covered half of this. Next, next time together, when we talk about this, I'm going to give you the other two. And we're going to dig deeper and deeper into this. But I want you to think about this for a couple weeks, because next week I have a message for fathers, for men. But I want you to think about this for a couple weeks, of the reality of what areas of my life that I've allowed the enemy to trip me up and has created such awful things in my life. It's created anger. It's created unforgiveness. It's created things that you never dreamed that you would act that way or, or do things because you know the Lord and you love Jesus with all your heart and, and, and you're trying to do the right things. And, but here it is. What about me? Someone did this. Someone did that. The boss promoted someone and didn't promote me. Did you know that Psalm 75 says that God's the one that promotes and God's the one that sets down? Promotion only comes from him. But we have, we have lived our life and people have jumped from job to job. They've, they've jumped from spouse to spouse. Not because they're bad people, but because They've made a choice. It's about me. And the only one that ever should deserve all of worship is the King of Kings. I, I promise you, this bottom line stuff that I'm, I, I sat there with tears in my eyes. As I began to... Uh, just go over the many years of ministry and the people that I love dearly still love them that have literally allowed life to destroy them because they didn't know what love conveys. And because of that, they fell to the spirit of the enemy. They attend church, they do great things, they give, they tithe, but they struggle because it's all about what's going on 
in my life. When the Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that in due time, in God's perfect, fabulous timing, he'll raise you up. That's what that is. So I'm going to ask all of you to stand with me. And I want you to really recognize Adam and Eve were created absolute no sin. We don't know how long they lived in. Oh, I have from studies and stuff like that, you know, thought processes, all the different things. But I can't prove it, so I'm not going to teach it. My own opinion. They lived as long as they lived. (laughs) Amen. They were created perfect. No sin. Lucifer was created perfect as Michael and Gabriel were created. What caused them to sin? Lucifer wanted to be worshipped. Adam and Eve caught that same spirit. I mean, you saw it. God knew what was going on. Jesus knew what was going on, who was in the garden there. Adam, where are you at? He knew where they were. And he said, that woman you gave me. Yeah, and I saw some of you men. Uh uh That man you gave me. That's what created. No, 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 no. No. It's because we have a choice. We have a will. We have a desire. And when we get finished with this series, you're going to be able to see the two choices in such a perfect way. You're going to see the bottom line. The bottom line, Satan's bottom line, God's. How many of you want to choose love? Here's another question. How many of you want to be like Christ or create an image and likeness, be like Christ and convey love to people? Convey love to the situation you're in. Amen. Let me pray for you. In Jesus' name, I proclaim such a revelation the next couple weeks. Father, that you would, like a movie, show us the story where we have been deceived, desirous to do things right. Where we've been deceived, desiring to worship God and Him only areas of our life that has created insecurity, that has created such anguish in our hearts and our minds and worry and fear, all these things that have cropped up because we have fallen to Satan's bottom line. 
And in Jesus' name, I proclaim a blessing over you that this revealed truth would manifest, that there would be decisions and choices and an absolute transformation in everyone in this house. Not one of us, not one of us can say that we've lived that perfect life. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I proclaim in Jesus' name that wherever we're at in our relationship with God, that this revelation would manifest and the joy of the Lord will become our strength. In Jesus' name, just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm talking to those who are watching online and also here. If you do not know Jesus Christ, the lover of your soul, if you do not know him and you would like to, I'm going to help you. Just go ahead very quickly and raise your hand. If you're here and you want to know Jesus Christ, online, if you are watching and you've never heard anything like this, you want to know Jesus Christ, this is what you have to do. You believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says you shall be saved. Amen. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. You shall, let me say it now, are saved. Thank you, Father, for salvation. How many of you here today need healing in your bodies? Raise your hand. You shall be healed. You are healed in Jesus' name. Emotional stress, all this stuff, and much of it has come from this satanic, demonic influence of that desire, bottom line desire, of it's all about us. Jesus, Jesus, release us from this turmoil and this anxiety in our hearts that we now will begin to understand we are children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High. And because of that, we can fulfill the dreams and the plans that God has for us. In Jesus' name. Wrap your arms around. Convey your love in a greater way with healing and restoring. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Now remember the presence of the Lord. This afternoon, our Spanish service. Be a part of that. Invite friends, invite your neighbors. And I'm going to say this, invite all our guests from Mexico to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from everywhere that speaks Spanish. Because they're here. They're walking down our streets. They're driving in cars. They're here. Reach out to them and bring them. So our pastors that are standing here can preach the word of God over them.
6 o'clock tonight. We have our Bible study. I'm talking about honor. We're going to have a blast with this. It's going to be amazing tonight at 6 o'clock. And all of you with OSL, I'm proud of you. You're here. You didn't run somewhere and hide because you're here this afternoon. God bless you. I love you. Walk in God's love. Amen.